answer. Every time I see the, or remember leg warmers, I'm reminded of the movie Flashdance. Yes. And the song She's a Maniac by Michael Cimbello and him. She's a maniac, maniac. Remember that song? Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to this week's episode of Unscripted, number 124. I am, yeah, I'm your co-host, Bill Petrie. With me, as always... The Lieutenant Colonel of Logoed License Plate Holders, the one and only Kirby Hossman. Kirby, how the hell are you? I am doing fantastic, my friend. As always, good to talk to you. Today is in, in Coshocton, Ohio. It's Kiwanis Pancake Day, so I'm hopped up on sugary syrup and coffee, and so I'm doing great. How about you, man? I'm doing great. I don't think you have to tell anybody that's Qantas Pancake Day. I think it's a pretty well-known uh, holiday around not only the United States, but probably the greater planet Earth as well. Yeah. No, I'm doing great, and, and I'm excited about something today. May I share what okay. I'm excited about? I would love that. I'm excited that our title sponsor, Chameleon Like, is a partner of us, uh, ours on the program. Want to yes. know why? Why? Want to know why? I was, I was looking over some emails that I had with uh, Pierre and Alex, who are just such great people in Chameleon Like, and we've talked about how, um, you know, they're focused on journals and notebooks and all of that. What, what I love about them, they don't feel like they're a commodity, and you know what? They're not. Yeah. They have a great analogy to something that's near and dear to both of our hearts, and that's beer. Okay. <laughs> so Chameleon Like is, is like a craft brew. They're not a mass market lager. They're right. not a supplier. They are a maker and manufacturers of journals and notebooks. And I love that perspective. They know what they do, and they do it better than anybody else. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you know that I love that. So the idea that – and I, I think the analogy is perfect because I think that there is craft in what they do. And uh, it's not only from – I mean, from the beginning. Like, if you want to do virtuals, they'll do cool virtuals mm-hmm. for you and really walk you and your client through the process. And I, that's super valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And there's craft and care in what they do. That's what I love. And they, I think you know this. They recently acquired a small Texas manufacturer of really high-end gift boxes and packaging. You and I both experienced that. Mm-hmm. So custom is really what they do. They match creativity with process. And if you're interested in elevating the promo you're selling to your end user clients and giving them more opportunities for supply, surprise and delight, go ahead and go to chameleonlike.com. You won't be sorry that you did. Love it. So, Kirby, are you ready to broadcast at a platinum level today? I, I am going to shoot for platinum, maybe titanium. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Well, thank you for having the courage to shoot for titanium, Kirby. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Kirby, I'm going to go ahead and start off yes. today. So we this has been election week. Um, I think we are both very happy that the uh, election cycle is over. Yep. And the commercials where it's always like, Dr. X is our opponent, and he hates children, babies, and anything plant-related. And then, you know, all the, and then the, the other candidate is seen in this wonderful, glorious light. I'm sorry I'm tired of commercials, but it did get me to thinking – and, and I think we've touched on this before, and I know you've had some pretty um, interesting debates with some people about the role of promotional mm-hmm. products in political campaigns. And sure. I wanted to get your opinion. I mean, I, I don't want to get into a, a silly 
conversation about does it sway you? I, I don't think it necessarily sways anybody. Uh, I don't think advertising in general really does that, but it does keep people top of mind, and it does uh, enlighten people in terms of awareness. What do you feel like the role of promotional products and political campaigns in 2018 looks like? Wow, okay. So that's this is a deep topic. I love it. Let's jump into it. So uh, I would say um, promotional products in particular, I think, are super powerful. I think, you know, as you look at advertising for political from a, a, a larger perspective, I actually think there was an interesting trend that some of the, and especially with females, um, that females, I think it was mostly from the Democratic side, but just in, in that, that were, their campaign platform was, look, we're tired of the hate too. Our, our platform is going to be reaching across the aisle and trying to work together. And my hope is that that is, you know, th- this stuff is cyclical, right? And so my hope is that that becomes a trend, that we go back to the idea that we're going to talk about what um, we're actually going to do as opposed to, or, you know, that particular candidate is going to do as opposed to what the other person, why the other person sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a promotional products perspective, I think you can tie that in, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's it's about building a campaign where it's like, you know, you, you know, Obama ran on the whole um, uh, hope uh, mm-hmm. campaign where you can build an entire campaign around that. It doesn't have to be just uh, TV and radio and billboards. It, the, the, you know, T-shirts can be a big piece of that. And I actually think it, it should be. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, it, and I guess... I bring up the positivity side, not only because it's sort of what I believe in, but I think it's really, it's a better message to put on a, something that you're going to wear. Like you, you don't want to necessarily wear a t-shirt, although I've certainly seen them that, you know, candidate X sucks, mm-hmm. right? Like you'd much rather say, you know, give hope a chance or whatever the hell that you want to wear a message long-term that actually inspires as opposed to the one that divides. And I yeah. think that's where promotional products can play play a role. Um, so that, that I guess that's, I hope that answers your yeah. question. Yeah, no, so I'm going to broaden it a little bit. So what, what promotional products does so exceedingly well as an advertising medium, especially when done well, is it can take a soundbite, for lack of a better term, since right. we're talking political uh, stuff it, it would be sound bites, and it can create you can you can use that messaging on a product that galvanizes a voting block, um, whether you like the message or not. Right. What Donald Trump did in 2016 yeah. with "Make America Great Again," uh, look, I'm not going to sit here and debate. Well, what do you mean it's still great? You know, I'm not going to get into the debate of that. But just the fact that that was his platform, and he put it on those red hats. I still see those hats. Oh, absolutely. I see. I see. I see uh, satirical plays on that quote on hats. Um, I've seen someone wear a make promo great again hat, you know, (laughs) and all those things. So what promotional products does exceedingly well is help spread a message, especially among people who believe in that brand, right? Right. So you look at a political uh, candidate as really what they are. It's a brand, right? right? I mean, look, again, whether you like Trump, hate Trump, it really doesn't matter. The man is a brand, and he right. has done an exceptionally great job at, again, galvanizing his fan base or his voter base, his voter block, 
to help spread his message. And that's what, as promotional products professionals, we teach all the time, is if you get the right promo with the right messaging, you can make advocates and fans of your target audience. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, it's really interesting to piggyback off that, is so those negative hate ads that we all uh, purport to dislike, right? So I was actually talking about this yesterday. What was interesting is I've always been perplexed by those, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm always like, well, it's never making me vote, you know, for the person running the ad, right? right? And what I found out recently is that that wasn't the point. That isn't the point. The point of of running negative ads is to detract from the base of your opponent so that they don't vote at all, right? Correct. And so one of the great ways to counteract that is exactly what you just said. So it's like, so is, is you say, you know, we're going to take a rallying cry and we're going to solidify that base through promo. I think that is a really interesting counterpoint to the negatives, negative ads and the hate. I, I couldn't agree more. And again, it's, it's, Look, people say we are more divided than ever in this country, and, and actually that's not true. I, I, if you look at the history of political campaigns um, way back in the 1800s, I mean, the things they were saying about each other were far worse yeah. than what they say today. I mean, you talk about impugning someone's integrity, um, saying they you know, were, had infidelities outside of their marriages, and <laughs> just blatantly you know, muckraking, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, but again, back to the, the original point, you can really, I think promotional products have such a great place in promotional or in uh, political campaigns. And again, I'm glad the elections are over. I feel like I get about a six-month reprieve before the election <laughs> cycle starts up again and, and the commercials start uh, uh, being broadcast again. So there you go. And Kirby, back to an episode we had a few about a couple months ago. You'll be happy to know I did vote. Oh, good. Well, I'm excited I, to hear I, that. I, I always vote, by the way. But I, know. I you know. Yeah, no, I, I, and actually that was a part of the discussion. So real quickly though, yeah. to the election piece, I just want to ask yeah. a quick question. Yeah. So the, 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 you know, the next morning you wake up, mm-hmm. are you a person that you're like, okay, like, do you look at local races? Do, I mean, maybe you were up the, like I went to bed early, so I woke up the next right. morning to find out who won and who lost. Mm-hmm. So did you feel differently? Did, what was your take on maybe national, state, and or local? I'm just curious. Um, I'm a believer that the things that impact my daily life happen at the local level. Yep. So I'm far more interested in who is my state senator, my state, you know, uh, uh, or my, you know, city officials, things like that. Those are the people that impact my daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, the national stuff I have a little bit of an insight just because I've been part of PPAI's lead for, sure. for so many years, and I've met with a lot of those officials personally. And so, you know, it's always interesting to see how, how those races turn out. But I, I do believe that my life is impacted positively or negative, negatively by the people who are elected uh, on a local level. And the higher I get in terms of uh, governor, state senator, uh, sorry, congressman, senator, president, the higher it goes, the less it really impacts my life. Um, yeah. and, and I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with that, but, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Oh, you know, I actually the, totally agree, by the, the way. <laughs> yeah, the country will run. Um, yeah. and, and I do believe the democracy is strong enough to withstand 
any amount of silliness. So. Yeah, that's cool. I was just curious because what I think is interesting about that is that if you notice, the, the uh, again, maybe this is different in Tennessee, but I find that the, the more local the election, the less mean-spirited the campaign, um, which I think is interesting because if that is, you know, that's the ratchet that actually turns yeah. and impacts us, yeah. I, I just think that's an interesting dichotomy. It, it is, but again, they also don't have the money to spend. So I don't see it nearly as much, you mm-hmm. know, here in Tennessee, we had a very contentious Senate race because mm-hmm. Bob Corker retired. And so Marsha Blackburn, very, very Republican, uh, Phil Bredesen, kind of a moderate Democrat. And it was, again, this candidate doesn't like children, <laughs> yeah. hates automobiles and wants to take your bald eagle away because they hate America. Why are they so sweaty? That's right. <laughs> Meanwhile, candidate X loves everybody. <laughs> I love it. Cool. All right. Go ahead. Right. You got a topic for us, Dr. Hossaman? Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be a um a total departure, but so you know, we have been we've invested in some new equipment here in the office, mm-hmm. and whenever you do something like that, it's like, oh, and this is a pretty big piece of equipment. So all of a sudden, we're moving stuff around because right. we and and you've been to our office. We have a pretty spacious space, you do? but all of a sudden, I'm looking around, going, man, we, we got to find it. So what what I've done is spent the last week just cleaning and throwing away and. And, and you know how this is with, like, samples and catalogs. You're like, how do I still have 2015 catalogs? Right. And so whenever I do that, I get this, like, renewed sense of excitement about productivity, about the business. Mm-hmm. And am I weird about that by just cleaning and organizing? Does that, does that help anybody else? Does that help you feel good about things? Or are you just kind of like, hey, everything is where it is? No, I, I actually agree. It's one of those house theories I subscribe to. Every person should entertain at their home at least twice a year because yeah. that's when you get stuff hung up that should have been hung up a while ago. The box that's never been unpacked, it's unpacked. Everything gets cleaned a little deeper than it normally does. So no, I, I absolutely think when you feel like you're bursting at the seams, it's good to clean. I'm in the process of doing that now. I think, you know, in our office, we inherited some uh, a lot of really nice furniture, and we also inherited some shelves that attached or cabinets that actually attached to the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put those up, and we just don't need that. But they're taking up space in a closet, and they're driving <laughs> me bananas, and I can't wait to get rid of it because I feel like we're bursting at the seams already, yeah. and, we're, and we're not, and it's just clutter. And so when you declutter, it it's kind of like uh, it's like a cleanse. You know, you stop eating junk food for a while. It, it's amazing how great your body feels. And you, you, you uh, clean out the clutter. It's amazing how good it feels to come to work. And you find all this space, and you don't have to play office Tetris anymore. So, <laughs> no, I totally get it. Yeah, because, you know, it's so funny. I know that there are people who are like, no, a cluttered, you know, if I if – I, you know, what they say a clean mind means that you, or a clean desk means that you have an empty mind or something like yeah. that. I know that there's, there's different philosophies, but for me, holy cow, do I feel more productive and more creative when I'm not like, like feeling trapped. Nope. Totally get it. Totally cool. get it. All right. All right, Kirby. So I was thinking about this the other day as we leverage technology so much in our businesses mm-hmm. and it's very easy for all of us as salespeople to, I don't want to say hide behind our computer, Mm, but use our computer to communicate and use the phone to communicate and text and all sorts of different ways. And I feel as a sales society, 
we may have lost touch a little bit with seeing the customer. Oh, yeah. Actually, physically <laughs> sitting in front of the customer. So let me ask you this, and, and again, I want you to look. I, I think I know how you're going to answer it from a Kirby perspective, but I'd like to take a macro view as well. Right. When do you see the customer? When do you need to see the customer? When do you know it's time? Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess I will start through sort of my eyes, and then we'll talk 10,000-foot mm-hmm. view. It's mm-hmm. funny because this is a huge topic in my office right now. Right, I'm <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, so literally I'm like, I, I have decided that where um, I add the most value to our company is when mm-hmm. I'm seeing clients. And so I've actually even reached out to our sales team and like, I want to see your clients too. So mm-hmm. we're having a, a meet the CEO campaign where I'm going all to all the places we go to get in front of people because the opportunities that you get when you're seeing a client, just, I, I just think it's 10,000 times bigger. Like, mm-hmm. and so like, and just to quote somebody that uh, I saw at one time uh, in PPAI is Greg Musillo did he did a, a session where he's like, in our business, there's $10 an hour work, there's $50 an hour work, yep. and there's $500 an hour work. Yep. And it was so funny because he said, how many of you want the $500 an hour work? And of course, everybody raised their hands. And and he, he said, you're all liars because <laughs> you mm-hmm. all go to the $10 an hour work because it's comfortable. Yep, and he's right. He's 100% right. And so I that is a thing that I've been preaching around here is that when do you see the client? Man, as much as they'll let you, Like I actually, we have some clients that we, I literally have a standing meeting with them once a week Mm -hmm. because they let me and then I'm better able to serve them. Now, do I sell them promo every time? No. But Mm -hmm. I mean, there are times where I'm like, this happened like a week or so ago where I was meeting with one of my favorite clients and she's struggling to hire. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're having a conversation about hiring and HR and it has nothing to do with what we sell. I'm just trying to help be a, you know, provide her value. And, you know, when she needs T-shirts, she'll, <laughs> she'll talk to me. But, right. Like getting in front of people and adding value in a way like that, I don't know that you can do it too much. Like I really don't. Yeah, and so I, I agree with you. So a couple things. Um, I think it's pretty common knowledge. I worked for Greg for, for almost a year, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that he drilled into the owners was, hey, are you doing $20 an hour work or $500 an hour yeah. work? And, and so – uh, couldn't couldn't agree more with that. We all gravitate, not we all, but a lot of us gravitate toward that twenty dollar an hour work because it's easy and comfortable, and it's important. Like it's not a knock on that. It's just no, as a salesperson, that's not where you no, bring the value. It's a matter of when you do that twenty dollar an hour. Yeah, work, yeah, yeah. Right. <clears throat> so the other thing I'd say from a sales perspective, and I do believe this, right? If I send an email to someone, it's very easy to say no. Mm, yeah. If I call them on the phone, it's it's less easy to say right. no. It's more difficult, but no is still uh, no is still pretty easy. When I see someone in person and I'm asking for the sale, that's more of a conversation. And, yeah. and I think it's more difficult for a client or prospect to say no, especially when the idea is there and you can present something tangible and walk them through what a campaign looks like or what you know the experience will will elicit in terms of emotions from the end user. I agree with you. I don't, I, you know, your situation is a little different being in a smaller town where mm. I think people are more apt to absolutely Kirby come by. Don't get me wrong. I, I, so I think you're in a little bit of a bubble there. But as we look at it from a macro perspective, 
the more you can actually see your clients and not to do a checkup. That's the most bullshit sales call in the world. I hate when a salesperson calls me and they just want to check in to see how I'm doing. I'm fine. Thank you for wasting my time. (laughs) But when someone wants to see me and they have a purpose to see me and it's going to help me and my business, not help them sell me something, yeah, I'll see that person. And and I think most, most people in buying positions are the same way. If you... Try to get meetings with the thought of how can I help this person either sell more, have a better review at the end of the year, yeah. whatever whatever it is for their goals. Yeah, I'm narcissistic. Yeah, I want you to help me. You bet. Yeah. So the more I think I, I agree, I think we've gotten away from it as we've seen the Amazonification of everything. It's very easy to conduct business completely through technology and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but i do think there's such value especially in our industry where you're taking something so innately personal as someone's brand yep the only thing that's more personal is my name than my brand (laughs) yeah and you're doing something like that i think the more you can see people it gives you more grace when things go wrong. Totally. It gives you opportunities to upsell, cross-sell. It gives you opportunities to really educate in ways that it's easy to ignore via technology. So I, I agree with you. I think if you can see people with a purpose, always with a purpose, not just dropping in and checking in, but you see clients with a purpose, they will want to, to take those meetings. Yeah, and, and the reality of it is I think that nobody's more <laughs> all in on content and that than mm-hmm. me. Like mm-hmm. I like I I think you know, my, same way. My, my track record sort of proves for itself, right? But I am telling you all the excuses I get about, hey, you know, people just don't want to see people anymore. This, they're all horseshit. Like they, right. they, they, they are, they are a, a, an excuse and a, a cover for laziness. Now, does everybody want to see you? No. no. But there's a bunch of clients who do. And so the idea that nobody wants to is just not true. Well, and it's, it's a way to say, well, I don't really want to. Yeah. And so I'm forcing people to say, you know, make... I'm going to make you say I don't want to work that hard. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Stop assuming you know your clients what they want, like yeah. not seeing you. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, Ask them. Yeah. yeah. Literally, my, my goals for the year end, we've set new goals from November 1st to the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It, mine, though I have a volume number to several of these, mm-hmm. it's literally how many meetings per week can I get? Yeah. That's what I'm focused on because I know if I get meetings, mm-hmm. sales will follow. Yeah, oh, absolutely will. Do you have another topic for us before we take the road down to fill in the blank, Kirby? Yeah, real quick. Uh, this is one I think is industry related, and I just wanted to touch on it. So there was a little bit of a uh, kerfuffle, as it were, on there was an article in Fast Company um, mm-hmm. about the promotional products industry. And to be totally candid with you, and you, you're generally on top of this stuff more than I am, I hadn't seen the article mm-hmm. until I saw the response. Right from Bobby Lehu and 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 uh, Common Skew, mm-hmm. and I thought that his response was incredibly thoughtful and mm-hmm. interesting. And um, if you haven't read it and you're listening to this podcast, you should totally go check it out on the Common Skew blog. Yep. Um, what did your take on it, even if it's just a quick one? I'll, I'll make it quick. Number one is 
If you don't know Bobby Lehu, he is a speak softly, carry a big stick kind of guy, and he is the EF Hutton of our industry. Yes. When he speaks, people listen. And and so he has a mastery of the English language I will never even approach. And, and I always admire the way he writes and the way he um, emotes and communicates. So and it just I, his perspective, too. No yeah. question. Yeah, I, I saw the article. I'd seen um, Paul Bellantone's response. I saw Bobby's response. My my perspective was I understand. See, I I, I, I kind of took it this way. Stop giving away shitty promo. I get it. Because <laughs> you know what? Stop giving away shitty promo. Yeah. Um, I I I under you know part of the responsibility of elevating our industry. I'd say the lion's share of elevating responsibility, um, elevating our industry, or the responsibility falls on us as the uh, purveyors and sellers of these products. And when we knowingly sell clients shitty promotional products that we know is going to end up in a landfill, that we know is going to be cast aside or thrown away within a month, that that's our responsibility. Sure. And we need to wear that hat of responsibility. You know, we talk about sustainable products. When I think of sustainable products, Kirby, in our industry, I don't think of eco-friendly. I think of a product that's going to be around in a year. That's sustainable. Yeah. yeah no, so, I like that. So, I, 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 you know, the article was interesting. I thought it was a little heavy-handed. I thought it was a little, you know, but it's all it's it's the clickbait of our society. Right. I thought it was a little, um, you know, too generalized in terms of, of say no to bad promo. I think it's say no to promo that's there for promo's sake. Mm -hmm. If you just need something at a trade show and you're just grabbing crap to throw on a table, I'd rather see an empty table. Yeah. No, that's fair. I I think one of the things that is challenging, and maybe I'm just, this is me being myopic, and this is Mm -hmm. totally possible. Right. But I think that those articles get under the industry skin, my skin, whatever. It's just like, wait a second, where's the article that talks about wasting money on cable spots that nobody's right. watching anymore. Like, I, I feel like that, like sometimes it feels like as an industry, we become attacked, whether it's through legislation, whether it's through, you know, articles. And I'm just going, dude, how many, raise your hand if you're not, you're recording stuff and not watching cable spots, right? Like right. why are, why are we attacking this specific but, but, stress ball? <laughs> but, but here's the thing. If you read the article, I didn't feel like our industry was attacked. I felt okay. it was a different perspective on is, are all the products we provide valuable, kept and memorable? Yeah, and the right. answer is no. And we still have this inferiority complex as yep. an advertising medium. And my goodness, someone says anything negative about our industry and whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we still have this inferiority complex because we as an industry feel like we don't belong in the advertising conversation. Mm. And that's on us. Yeah, no, I think I, I think you're right. But I think part of that comes from, you know, internal and external. And so I think maybe there's a, a um, just a, a rising up to say, no, we're not that anymore or whatever. And so I, I totally I, hear you, I, by the way. I just yeah, – I, I agree, curious. and I think that's where PPI has done such a great job yes. investing gosh knows how many dollars into the Get in Touch campaign. Yeah. But you know what? You don't turn the Queen Mary around on a dime, and you're yep. not going to change the perception of this industry as a bunch of cheap plastic shit that's given away at trade shows overnight. You have to – it's a long-term play, and again – PPAI is doing their job in terms of, of 
educating the end user on the value of promotional products. I think now it's time for the grassroots level to stop selling crappy promo. Yeah, so no, actually, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and by the way, just one more shout out. The stuff like that, when Bobby responded in such a thoughtful, intelligent mm-hmm. way, it was really cool to see the author of the piece um, share that. Yeah, like oh, she tweeted no that out too, and so it's like it's so cool when people can can interact that way. Yeah, you know what else is cool, Kirby? What's that, Bill? Oh, that'd be the good people at Vault Promotions. That's Woo-hoo. right, they are back as a sponsor of Fill in the Blank. You know, they know that buying badges is a pain in the ass, and I right. love I love that they have so much sympathy for people who need to order and source badges. They know it's a pain point, so for so many distributors. And they know it's something that people run from. The yeah. distributors kind of say, I don't want to deal with that. But they also, their clients are buying from someone. So why not you? Right. Vault has made it easy and profitable with their Badge Vault online release program. They offer free setups, free specs, free websites, free sample kits. And all this can be obtained along with EQP for your first order. They just set up a new site, new website that you need to visit to really understand what Vault Promotions can do to help you grow your business in the very lucrative badge market. It's an annuity. People order this stuff over and over again. Love the it. website is badgesmakemecrazy.com. I love it. There's <laughs> a video. That. Yeah, it's, isn't that awesome? <laughs> that is amazing. Badgesmakemecrazy.com. Send a, I want you to go there, check out the video that they've made. They laid out very easily how they can help you make badge selling easy and profitable. And who doesn't want that? That's awesome. That awesome. is awesome. And, 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 and if you didn't capture that, that was the first time I heard that website. That was That's amazing. Yeah. No, it's fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? That's amazing. I love All right. It. Kirby, are you ready for some fill in the blank? I am. All right. So I have a theme this week. Okay. I don't really, so. That's okay. <laughs> so we are both children of the eighties. You're okay. a little young you're a little younger than I am, but I would say you're a, yeah. a child of the eighties. Yeah, absolutely. Kirby <laughs> The most bizarre fashion accessory to come out of the nineteen eighties was Blank. Wow, that's actually pretty hard because there were a lot, right? So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with leg warmers. Nice, uh, nice. Yeah, yes. Right? I mean, you know, my daughters are dancers, so I suppose that, you know, there'd be some reason for that. But I remember that being a thing and just going, even in the 80s. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, fairly young in the 80s and just being, looking around going, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going to go with leg warmers. Final every, answer. Every time I see the, or remember leg warmers, I'm reminded of the movie Flashdance. Yes. And the song She's a Maniac by Michael Cimbello and him. She's a maniac, maniac. Remember that song? I, I do. I do. Did it I just sound a lot like that? But it, yeah. Yeah. Sure, you know, look, it's early in the morning, Kirby. Let's not judge. <laughs> go ahead, Kirby. It. All right. So this is sort of, it, there's sort of a theme, but not really. So, um, Okay, let's jump into organizations. So mm-hmm. when you think of your favorite organization or company, you think of? Right now, Carvana. Um, nice. Okay, that's a good one. Just because it's something I've been speaking about recently. I was just in Houston speaking at the Houston Promotional Products Association event. Great crowd. Just wonderful crowd. And one of the things I, I preach these days, you know, as I, I'm doing talks, is do you want to be known as a promotional products company with great customer service? Or do you want to be a great customer service company that happens to sell promotional products? Mm, and like it's a it. very important shift. 
because Carvana, and, and I think it's been fairly well documented, we, we recently bought a car from them, a used car, and it's a great car and great easiest experience I've ever had buying an automobile. Okay. They're not a used car company. They are a customer service company that happens to sell automobiles. And because it's that perspective, it created the most frictionless transaction I've ever had for a large purchase. So Mm. when I think of an organization right now that I really admire and how they handled everything, it would be Carvana. Love it. Love it. Kirby, the one song that made every mixtape you made in the 1980s was blank. Mm. I would the, the the song again. The rule of this is I always say whatever pops into my head. That's and I correct. Guess I'm gonna go with Maneater. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. Like literally, my hesitation is that I knew you would hate that so much. I literally much. doubled over. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know, man. I liked all the music, and so. Um, yeah, Maneater. Let's go with that just because that brings you so much pain that uh, I like that. I'll go Man, with that. Maneater by Hall & Oates. Hall & Oates. Maybe the worst song in, re- <laughs> in, in the history of recorded music. The only song that rivals it is Steve Miller and Abracadabra. I was Abracadabra. just going to say Steve Miller was going to be my next answer. Steve Miller with Abracadabra because when you're rhyming Abracadabra with reach out and grab ya, <laughs> I got a problem with that. But Maneater's horrible. Careless Whisper? Uh, actually, I don't mind that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Guilty Feet have got no rhythm. Uh, okay. <laughs> Kirby, uh, <laughs> the movie you most identify with the 1980s is? Footloose. Ah, uh, you gotta cut loose. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so, and I don't know that, you know, that's like the best movie or whatever, but I, I, I that was one of those movies that I just, I, I liked the music, I liked the theme, mm-hmm. I liked, you know, Ren McCormick and the, the whole thing. That was that's what pops into my head when I think of the 80s. All right. Uh, first, first answer. Good deal. All right. The organization that you're most likely to wear their T-shirt is? Coca-Cola. Okay. Um, I don't know why that popped into my head, um, but I've always it's such an iconic logo. Boy, that's a terrible answer, but, I mean, that's no. unfortunately the first one that popped into my head. Um, so no, I like that. Well, again, we're talking about someone yeah. who's been great at branding for hundreds of years. So, yeah. They have their sense. own font. So, yeah. <laughs> fair. All right, okay. Kirby, I'm a believer every generation has a seminal moment where everybody remembers where they were when something happened. Mm. Kirby, you were doing blank when you heard about the Space Shuttle mm. Challenger disaster. So what's interesting about this question is you said the seminal moment where you remember where you was and I it, it were and I I thought well my answer is going to be the space shuttle. Yeah. Like like so that's literally the moment uh, I was actually in in school mm-hmm. in a music class and I think it was elementary school at the time and literally the entire school just shut down and all the TVs went on. Um and yeah, just yeah. watching that and I think I was young enough that I don't think I really, you know, I didn't understand the magnitude of that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, when you saw teachers and adults breaking down, yeah. um, it was like, oh, this is really a huge deal. But I do, yes, for sure, that is that is the seminal moment that I, when you say 80s, that's what pops into my head. Um, but yeah, I was, I was in school. Just out of curiosity, how about you? Um, I, so I was a little, I'm a little bit older than you. I was in high school. I, we had off-campus lunch. 
and um, that's when I heard about it, right? Oh, about an hour before lunch, mm. had heard about it, and we went to my friend's house who lived maybe, geez, an eighth, eighth of a mile from school, and we just mm. watched the, the reports. I mean, it wow. came, came over loudspeakers, and you just, you know, it's one of those things. And unfortunately, I think, you know, for those of us of a certain age, there are a couple maybe seminal moments, but yeah. that's the one I thought about from the 80s. So Cool. All right, All right. So, so real quick. Like an organization that I, this is the first question I actually typed up, but I want to ask you maybe mm-hmm. close to last. But when you get an email inviting you to a survey for a mm-hmm. company, your first mm-hmm. thought is, "Do I care? Right. If I care, I'll take the time. If I don't, I won't. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's a company that I respect, that has I've done business with, and yes, I'm inclined to take the survey, if I feel like it's just mining me for extra data, I won't. Right. Yeah. And for me, like I actually, it, I I look to see if they tell me it's going to take very long. Like right. you know, you see those ones that say, "Hey, this is only going to take you two minutes." Okay, that's helpful because I've gotten into those just by what you just said. Hey, I care. I'm going to do this. And then you're like 12 questions into a thing. And it's like, it says that you're 23% done or whatever. I'm like, oh, for crying out loud, respect my time. No, so that's to- a, totally yeah. get it. Totally get it. All right. You ready for a quick little rapid fire? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. This is all 1980s based. Kirby, you know the rules. I'm going to give you an either or choice. It's very right. simple. You pick one or the other. There are no other options. You pick either one or the other, and then we move forward. This should be very quick unless you screw it up. Okay, got it. All right, Kirby. Tiffany or Debbie Gibson? Debbie Gibson. My Buddy or Teddy Ruxpin? Teddy Ruxpin. Aquanet or Hair Scrunchies? Aquanet. Charles in Charge or Alf? (laughs) Charles in Charge. Rubik's Cube or Rubik's Snake? Oh, Rubik's Cube. Michael Jackson's Thriller or Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet? Oh, that's a good one, but I'll go with Thriller. He-Man or She-Ra? He-Man. VHS or Betamax? VHS. British Knights or L.A. Gear? L.A. Gear. Cabbage Patch Kids or Super Mario Brothers? Super Mario. Strawberry Shortcake or Rainbow Bright? Rainbow Bright. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Oh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Golden Girls or My Two Dads? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Golden Girls for sure. Van Halen with David Lee Roth or Van Halen with Sammy Hagar? I'm going to go Roth. Kirby, once again, you screwed it up. The right answer for the last one was both. It's the only time in the history of this part of the broadcast I would have allowed both. And once again, you dropped the ball. But Kirby, you know who's never going to drop the ball? Who's that, Bill? Oh, that'd be the good, good, good goods. The quadruple goods over at Chameleon. Like Pierre and Alex always are going to take care of you. They match creativity with process. They have a team that's designed and trained to do exactly that. They combine that true custom and creative approach to a process that delivers consistent and reliable customer service. Go ahead and visit chameleonlike.com. Look at their wonderful journals, notebooks, gift boxes, and folders. That's what they do. And if you want to do that and elevate the promo you give to your clients, go ahead and head over to chameleonlike.com. Kirby, thank you again for recording. It's such a platinum level. Um, you didn't hit titanium when you started <laughs> mentioning Hall and & Oates and Maneater. Kind of, I'll be honest with you, it tainted the entire broadcast. So, you know, we'll, 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 we'll try again next week. Absolutely.
Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.